Tom Panos, John McGrath, Million Dollar Agent. Welcome back. How are you, Johnny? I'm good here. Okay. I'm munching on a chocolate biscuit that your team have very kindly provided. Yes, we're... Like, I needed, like, a hole in the head, but still, I'll take it. No, John, you're, you're looking good today. You've got your <laughs> Navy suit, uh, white shirt there. Uh, you're in News Corp uh, headquarters. You've got uh, your Navy suit as well, uh, Troy. Uh, looking good, Troy. Uh, more importantly, John, Mastery Part 2. There was this... I mean, we're going to do three parts, but we're going to do today's purely on content, and let's start off with that interview with Rupert Murdoch, walked in, got a standing ovation from all our mm. uh, clients that were there, uh, left with a standing ovation. Um, John, you spent an hour and 15 um, doing an interview, he spent six or seven minutes doing, or sorry, 10 minutes giving a, a talk at the start. Um, were you nervous? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I don't know if the word's nervous, but I guess I was... Uh anxious about everything going well. Uh, I wasn't nervous about him because for whatever reason I, and I haven't really met him, I haven't met him briefly, but not, not I did, certainly don't know him well. But I, you know, I knew him to be a very generous and nice man by reputation and from the very brief meetings I've had with him. So I wasn't intimidated from that aspect. I would have been had I not met him before. But you know, you want it to go well. You get 150 of the best agents in Australia coming into a room and this is the guy a lot of them have come to, you want to make sure they have a good experience. But it was, it was interesting because, you know, dealing with him, as you would imagine, uh, his team are very detail-orientated, you know, about the venue and the other speakers and the information and, you know, what we want him to talk about. So that was, that was kind of good but not unexpected. But, John, he, he did not sit on the fence. He, he, he answered questions. I mean, there was editorial, senior editorial people in there and executives of News Corp, and he said... He answered questions there that maybe some people interviewed on TV he wouldn't, he wouldn't um, yeah. answer. I mean, he was clear about how he felt about certain prime ministers and various policies. And yeah. um, um, I think a lot of our listeners may not realise that uh, John, apart from doing his, his talk, he, he, he left afterwards uh, that afternoon, I think his talk was from 12 to 1.30, mm. and later on that afternoon, John, he put a formal offer for um, Time Warner, which we now know is the case for $85 billion. Well, yeah, he was certainly doing it that day, whether the offer went in before or after. It was announced that night, a few hours after, and obviously we had no idea. No. And, but I do remember just when he was getting mic'd up beforehand, and he, and he just said to me, do you mind if I take this phone call? He said, I've got a very important deal call happening and um, is it okay if I just take this was like five minutes before we went on so I, I can only assume that it was involved with that and um, it's kind of interesting to see you know here's someone making an 85 billion dollar offer that's it's kind of a serious offer right and uh, he was just like business as usual doing stuff and he was obviously interested in it but he's also interested in what we were doing and, uh, and he was very generous as you say he was candid uh, honest uh, opinionated um, and it was funny because he was with my assistant Jacqueline because uh, I was in the room with you afterwards just sort of debriefing with everyone and, and he was left and Jacqueline walked him down and um, he said, do you think I babbled on too much? Did I say too much? You know? She said, no, Mr Murdoch, it was, it was amazing. But it was kind of that nice humility about him that he is a guy who everyone revered what he's done and, and what he's saying. And so that was good. So I, I think there was no doubt that was a highlight and there were some great content pieces in there. 
But as you know, we're about to discuss, there was another you know, dozen or so incredible speakers over two days, and, and you know, I think it was, it was amazing. So we should get into some of yeah. that other stuff. Uh, four of the most important words. It came up, I think, on day one. Yeah. What do you think? Tom Peters again. I mean, uh, half my notes were Tom Peters. Um, well, I think it was actually, what do you think? Right. You know, the emphasis on the you, because he talked a lot, because it was a leadership conference, and he said, for, as a leader, you know, one of the most important things is, what do you think? Because he talked about, if you want to grow leaders under you, you can't give them the answers all the time. You actually have to pull out of them their best thinking, and then, you know, you might have to polish it up and question it or coach them. But, you know, what do you think? Because uh, the answers are generally leaders. in the room, aren't they, John? The answers, the answers are in the room. The answers are generally inside the head of the person being asked the question. Yeah, correct. And, you know, most of, our, most of our listeners probably work for relatively small businesses and wish they had a bit bigger businesses. And the, reason, the way they're going to get to the next size business is to grow their leadership team. Now, at the moment, your leadership team could be your receptionist and your sales secretary. Who knows? It doesn't really matter how big or small your office is. But it's about you helping grow them and helping them want to stay with your business and help you grow it. And so I think that was really important. You know, what do you think? Uh, seeking opinions. And that was one of the tip-offs that I'd got about Mr. Murdoch from one of your executives here at News when I was asking. I said, tell me about him. How does he operate? You know, he said, you know, a couple of things. He's incredibly energetic and he's very curious. He'll just ask question after question and he'll dig deeper. And so why are we doing that? You know, tell me about China. What's happening? What's your view on what's happening in the political scene in America? You know, what are your customers saying about this? And he just incessantly is asking questions. So he's curious, isn't he? He's very all curious. All the time curious, yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was good. You know, what do you think? Really saying, very important to know what the people around you are thinking and to get them thinking for themselves. Because it's too easy for a subordinate or someone to come to you and just say, oh, boss, there's a problem, what should I do? Number one, most, most leaders say, well, here's, here's what you need to do. You know, the question is, you know, well, what would you do? So that, that, I thought that was a very good lesson. John, be insanely great, radically thrilling, or get out. Essentially what we were talking about there is that um, being ordinary is no longer an option. Yeah, again, this is Peterson. Like I said, mo probably most of the quotes that we talk about will be his. But, and, and, and I love the fact, you know, we talked about Mr Murdoch being opinionated. I mean, Peter's just, he hits you between the eyes. So when you said that, be insanely great. So that's a benchmark. And, and I know that the original quote came from Steve Jobs, or it was about Steve Jobs. He's, he, uses the he used to use the phrase when he started, is it insanely great? And that was like his benchmark, Tom, for, you know, I, I think, Mr Jobs, we should do this, you know, or I think we should release this product. And he used to say to them, well, tell me, is it insanely great? And if the answer is no, go back to the drawing board. So Peter's talked about that, is it insanely great? Radically thrilling. So again, one of the metaphors he, he used there was he said, you know, there's service and there's experience. They're different things. So service is kind of the process of delivering someone something, be it a house or be it a chocolate biscuit. Um, but the experience is, you know, what wraps around that service to make people feel special? And that can be a whole range of tactile things, of, of you know, something you say. And one of the other things he talked about, you, you'd remember this, Tom Welly talked about the story when he was on Kingfisher Airlines, travelling, I think it was to Russia or, or somewhere in, in that area, and he talked about, you know, they were kind of going down to landing and there's this little nondescript airline going down to landing. He was going to meet his wife who was over there already. And it was quite a bumpy landing. And, and he, you know, does what most of us do in a bumpy landing. We start thinking the worst, God, I hope this falls, you know, doesn't fall out of the air. 
and he said, you know, the, the, the flight attendant came up to him and she said, you know, sir, could I get anyone a water? Is everyone okay? And then she went to him and she offered to clean his glasses. Yeah. And he's thinking, true. my God, you know, like here I am, I'm, I'm worried about dying. And, and she comes up and she, she calms me down. And, yeah. and, she, and he said, oh, 20 years later, I remember someone offering to clean my glasses. Yeah. So, you know, what is your version of that? Another one he said in that instance was a company that he worked with. And he said, we don't escort our customers to the lift when they leave. We escort them to the car park. Now, you think about that. It, it seems, and it is a kind of a small difference, but it says someone. If you go and visit someone and they say, great, Tom, well, thanks for coming. We look forward to seeing you. Um, very different to actually if you say, yeah, let me get in the lift. I'll come down with you. And then you walk out and you take them to the car. That extra two or three minutes really is going to leave an impression on someone. So what's your version as an agent on, on doing that? You know, what, what are you doing that really leaves that impression? The cleaning the glasses is walking someone to their car. Those little things. Now, I've now sort of taken upon myself to do little things like that because I'm more now mindful of it. Because, you know, sometimes you say, okay, we'll see you later. And you at the top of the stairs, you shake their hand and they walk out the door. And, you know, a little bit of that's still going to happen. But, uh, you know, now when I get the opportunity and, and you know, the time allows, I, I'm just trying to do that extra. I'm realising that two minutes invested somewhere to make someone feel important and special can be, you know, a really good investment of your time. John, because we know when, when, when we've spoken to vendors that have listed, a lot of the times they say, look, they're all good, they all sort of said the same thing, but that person made us feel different. So what we clearly know is people forget what you say, but they never forget the feeling you leave them with. And uh, Tom Peters remembers this 20 years uh, later. So you're saying that there are moments of truth where you can actually make an impact on someone that changes their core essence, their DNA on how they feel about Absolutely. you. Absolutely. In fact, I think that was one of the other ones here, and I'll just look for it. How aligned are your touch points? Yeah, that was another of his. And How aligned are your touch points and moments of truth to your promises? So as, as a business, one hopes that we have a way of doing business, a set of benchmarks, and a set of promises and commitments we take to our customers, whatever that might mean. It'll be different for everything. How aligned are your touch points? So what are the touch points in agency practice? Well, you know, open for inspection is a really good one. That is where we meet the market. We meet the community. We're at showtime. So you know, if you have a commitment to integrity, information, raving fans, customer experience, that's nice and it looks good on the CEO's wall and in, in the induction manual. But if I turn up at an open for inspection, am I feeling integrity? Yeah. So when I say to you, tell me a little bit about this place, do I get the real deal or do I get your sales polish version? When I ask about the price, do you kind of riddle me? Oh, well, you know, we're not really sure. We want to know what you think. We've got no idea. Or do you actually give me some straight answers? Do you provide me information? I know Matt LaHood, one of his great strategies is he, he gets the vendor to sign off on the comparable sales, four or five comparables, and then he hands them to the buyer. And he said, well, this is the list we've given the vendor. We think this reflects where the buyers oh. are probably going to do the bidding. Well, that's in transparency, integrity information, customer experience. So it was a really good one to think about your business. When someone walks into your office, is their experience something that your, um, I guess, you know, your values, uh, are they coming through the experience? Because John, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, your audio must match your video. And the worst part about it is, and when I mean that metaphorically, I'm basically saying what you say and what you do must match up. Walk your talk. Walk your talk. What's worse is that if you actually overpromise 
and under-deliver, because then you look like a liar. Then you look like there's no authenticity in what you're saying. So in fact, uh, you're better off if you don't think you can deliver, that you actually don't make commitments or promises or stand for values or do what a lot of these organizations do. They go onto Google, they type in mission statement, find a mission statement and say, this is what we're all about. But they don't actually have the behaviors at those most important moments of truth to be able to deliver what yeah. you're saying. And, and I think exactly, Tom, I think nowadays also is people are forming an expectation of what you should deliver, not just based on a previous experience with you, but experiences they're having anywhere. So if someone on the internet, they're expecting to get prices, information, downloads, PDFs, like on the spot. So if they ring you up or if you say, look, I'll get that over to you and it takes you a day, or maybe an hour nowadays, but certainly a day, that feels slow. Yeah. So yeah, people's expectations of service are being formed everywhere else. And if there are people in your marketplace, and hopefully there are, that are living their business lives, or their total lives with integrity. So, you know, part of our business philosophy is, as everyone knows, you know, is, is 100% commitment to integrity and information. So we love price guides and we fight hard for them. Um, if we were in a marketplace and we were giving the buyers good, accurate, honest, straightforward price guides, and two of our competitors were hiding the price and price on request and we're not sure you'll have to come to the auction. We're gonna eat that market share out because people want information. Yeah. The internet has told people, you go on the internet, you put two clicks into Google and you'll find the information you want, you'll find it in real time, not in half an hour, but in you know, half a minute and you'll get what you want, then you can go home and decide when you're ready to transact. You know, the agent no longer has the right or the control of the information. The information is getting out there and companies like RP Data and so forth are also giving people information. So you've got, to get with the, you've got to get with the pace. John, that leads to that next quote and I think I want to spend time talking about this because we're going to be able to contextualise this in real estate. Big consulting firms get eight times the engagement when they put their fees on their website. Transparency. Yeah. Transparency was a theme of the two days. Even the um, IT professionals that we had in there, social media experts mm. we had in there, which we haven't spoken about, but they were absolutely, they blew the minds of Pete our Pete Williams estate. was incredible. Pete Williams. Yeah. Um, John, this transparency, the fact that even Tom Peters, he's got 4,000 pages of PowerPoint on right. his website. He well, says it's all there. That's a great example. A lot of speakers, and I don't wish to be critical of those that do, but a lot of speakers, um, they say, well, you know, don't, don't photograph my slides, you can't have my slides. Peters goes the other way. He says, if I do this presentation today, tonight my team will have it up on my website, so go and download it. Every slide he's ever done, as you said, is available. That's it. And, and in fact, you know, when he talked about big consulting firms, he did talk about one, and I think it was KPMG. I'm 99% sure it was one of the big uh, accounting firms. But it was a company that traditionally would not be a company that you would expect to get transparency on their fees through their website. It's kind of like, you know, we're too big and important to talk about fees. That's kind of something we'll do behind closed doors. This company that he talked about said that they had eight times, 800% more engagement and interest and inquiry when they put their fees on the website. I mean, that's, that's got to say something to people about our fees, transparency on our fees, transparency on price guides, transparency on everything. So hopefully, yeah, th this message is getting through to our industry that you've got to tell people what they want to know, which is real information right now. Yeah, and what we know is that if you don't provide it to them, 
Don't think that you've got this trail that you're going to seduce them at getting something off them and then you'll trade that information because it's already out there and if you don't provide it to them, you've lost that opportunity and they're going to someone else. Oh, 100%. And even last week, Tom, we had a little, um, uh, what we call a power breakfast, which is when we get our New South Wales and AC team team together and next week we're going to do Queensland. Anyway, we had Kevin Dearlove, who's at our Epping office. Great, great young guy, just a champion guy. And, and, and really, he's doubled his business. I think he's up at around one and a half million, um, and he's literally doubled in the last 12 months. And I did a panel session with him, and, and I said, um, Kevin, if you, could you boil it down to one or two things? What shifted? Was it a mindset, or was it something you were doing? And he thought about it, and he said, there's two things that change. One is I went premier all on the internet. So every internet listing, he put up the top. Two was I put price guides on everything. And he said they were the two things in addition to everything else he was doing that he kept doing, those two things really took him to the next level. And I think you know, you've just got to be looking at what are the two things in your world that you could do that are gonna shift the community and the way they look at you. Transparency. Okay. Transparency. John, we're gonna finish up with uh, something that this podcast stands for. And that is that we're hoping that people listening to this, realise the importance that they get good information given to them. And there was a quote at Mastery that says, you will become like the five people you spend most of your time with, the people that you hang out with. We know um, that most real estate agents' income, you can just basically work it out by saying, who's your closest five real estate friends that you hang out with? Add them up and then divide it by five and you're going to pretty much get their salary, give or take, by five or 10%. Um, John, it's important who you hang out with, isn't it, in real estate? Yeah, Choose carefully. The, the people you hang out with are critical, um, and that can include events, they include your office, your colleagues, people outside your office, because I, I see no reason why you shouldn't have very healthy relationships with your competitors. I mean, it's good, you can share information and, and you know, share ideas, I think it's a good thing. Um, but make sure you're hanging out with the eagles the people that are going somewhere with a positive attitude and a great mindset. Because if you're not, if you're hanging out with the people that have been critical and pessimistic and negative, even, even a strong mindset, that's gonna wash over. So I think it's really critical, which is why we love our listener base, as I know and a lot of my your customers, Tom, because we like the positive energy that comes with this show. Mm. And, and we like the positive energy that comes with our events. And if you, if you listen to this podcast each week and you come to a few events of yours or ours during a year, you are going to hang out with positive people. And that's why I say to people about Eric, speakers are great, but in a sense they're the bonus. In the, in the breaks before and after, you should be looking to connect with people that are the best in the business. You know, James Tostevin, you go and find him, get a, get a selfie with him, have a chat to him if you can. I mean, just connecting with these people can change your life. So yeah, I think it's a really good one. And, and it also, it's not just people, Tom. A lot of people heard, you know, I talk about, you know, kind of sheltering yourself from some of the other negative stuff in the world. People you hang out with, some of the tragedies are out there and the stock market, some people look at the stock market ticker, they get depressed when they turn up and the stock market went down 100 points. Yeah, if you're not a stock trader, some of that stuff really is actually just polluting your mind. But it's, it's, it's normal default mode, John, is you do have to take a proactive approach to, to staying positive because the normal default mode is whether it's print, TV, radio, other people, it is quite um, acceptable to have negativity around you. So the question is, what do you do about putting yourself in and out of those situations? Shielding yourself from it, Tom. I mean, 
shielding yourself is really, really important. And you do that, don't you, John? I, I do it all the time, every day, 24-7. And it's not hanging out with people that are negative, and it's shielding myself from the negative information that's out there, and therefore giving myself time and space and energy to focus on the good stuff. I, I want to just mention, the, there's a funny little story he started with, and I think it might be applicable to a lot of our listeners. He talked about the red carpet store. And no one knew what that was, but as he told the story, he said, this literally, you know, he said, you know the Oscars where you see the red carpet? This is what these guys do for a living. They make red carpets. And, and, and he said, a very successful company, but when you think about it, it's a tiny niche market. I mean, how many red carpets do you need at the Oscar? I don't know if they, they, Oscars probably do one a year, but there's not that many events that need lots and lots of red carpets. There are people listening that'll say, well, okay, let's say John's got a bigger business and, you know, Tom deals with customers that are, you know, some of the best in the country doesn't matter how small your business is. What matters is how good are you? Because you can have, Pete Chauncey that won our Agent of the Year award at our, a few, a couple of weeks ago, I mean, he's got like a 75% market share. Is it Troy, what is his market share? It's somewhere getting up between 70 and 80%. I mean, and he's the number one agent of all, of all our company, you know, 400 odd agents. So it doesn't really matter how small your town is, how small your office is or your brand. What matters is how big are you? How good is your service? How much of the community wants to deal with you above everyone else? That's a really key thing. So I think as people mm. listen to us, and I hear some of the stories, we talk about meeting Rupert Murdoch, and we talk about agents that doubled and they did one and a half million. Don't be intimidated. Be inspired by that and work out how do you apply that to your own situation. Because you, you, no one's too small or too large. It's possible for everyone. And I started exactly where some of those listeners that are nodding their heads now and saying, yeah, we are a little independent. We only got two agents. That's where we started. But yeah. we, had a, we had a vision of doing something bigger and better, and that's played out over the years. So. Well, John, every $10 million office was once not a $10 million office. Every million dollar agent was once not a million dollar agent. I think what's more important is not where you are, but where you're heading. Yeah. And on that point, we might uh, leave it. I did uh, make a note that uh, on last week's podcast, we may have not mentioned the great job that uh, Marshall White and Gillis, Gray, uh, Gillis Craig did also in their, their case Case study, yeah. amazing. Oh, well, these, those guys are class acts. They're, they've got some of the best businesses in the world, not just Australia. Yeah. And I was proud. And Owens and Cassidy, the boys, young yeah. boys from Adelaide, yeah. I mean, they knocked me out. As did Dan, uh, Danny um, from, uh, no, sorry, Matt Hayson. Yeah. Danny, Danny wasn't there. These guys here. Matty Hayson. They spent time in their presentations, John. They didn't. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we're so privileged to have them present. And, and the generosity and the transparency with all of them, like, basically just opened up the, the curtains and said, here's what we do. And that's a rare opportunity for someone to see with such detail. So that was great. So thank, thank you to all of them. And they deserve all the success they've had. All righty. So that takes us uh, to the end of our podcast. Two weeks to spring. Exciting. This cold weather is going to come to an end soon to our New Zealand <laughs> listeners. It'll get warm, but it'll still be cold for you. <laughs> so, uh, John, it's great having you back. See you Thanks, soon. Tommy. See you next week. See Bye. you, Troy. See you guys.